Hi, welcome to Chroma Radio. I'm your host, Denise, and I'll be taking you through a series of conversations with a range of women of color, exploring their passions and making strides in their careers with thought and intention. In today's episode, you'll hear from Dr. Caroline Robinson, who's a board-certified dermatologist based in Chicago. She has special interests in hair loss and hyperpigmentation, especially as it pertains to ethnic skin. Dr. Robinson completed her undergraduate education at Cornell University, where she studied biological sciences with a concentration in genetics and development. She then went on to receive her medical degree at the University of Louisville School of Medicine and completed her residency in dermatology at Southern Illinois University in Springfield, Illinois. Dr. Robinson has had a host of experiences throughout her career in dermatology, recently practicing at Northwestern University. But she also has found a way to utilize social media to advocate for diversity in beauty and medicine and to educate her audience on the science of the skin, nail, and hair care. Here's a bit of what she had to say when we chatted. So on today's episode, we have Dr. Caroline Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, so for those of us who don't know you, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to the position that you're in now? Yeah, so my name is Dr. Caroline Robinson. I'm a board-certified dermatologist practicing in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area. And um, I'm a native of the city. I have a lot of pride about that. <laughs> and uh, so my parents are Nigerian immigrants and they moved to Chicago where I was raised. And um, I basically uh, was here through um, elementary school and high school. And then I left for college uh, at Cornell University, which is very far away from Chicago. Um, came back to uh, University of Louisville and uh, Springfield, which is closer, a little closer to Chicago. And then finally, after I finished my residency in dermatology, I, I um, actually moved back to the city because I wanted to help improve access to dermatologic care and then um, just kind of the specific skin issues that uh, are a little more prevalent in the city. So I have a special interest in skin and hair conditions, um, at particularly affecting patients of color. And um, a lot of my research and um, uh, interest is, is in that. Right. So was there sort of like an aha moment that made you realize that you wanted to go into medicine or is it something that you always knew? Well, when I was really little, I have this memory. Um, there was a surgeon actually who came and visited our class and uh, I I came home with all this gear, just like a surgical mask and um, like a, a gown. And I remember telling my parents that at that point that I wanted to be a doctor. But that's just, that, you know, I was young. I maybe didn't really understand the nuances there. But um, I think that I circled back to it later in uh, in my schooling and in, in high school, just with my interest in science. And then um, kind of developed that interest more as I got further along in my education. But I do think a lot of it was there early. So reflecting on your life, I guess, going off of that after within high school and then going into undergrad, what was your path like to med school or just to medicine in general? What kept you motivated on that path? 
Yeah. Um, well, in undergrad, I did, I took, you know, some science classes and I was interested in, in science and, uh, and medicine in general, but actually I took a, a pretty non-traditional path after I graduated. I, uh, worked in Harlem for city year, which is an AmeriCorps program. And, um, I basically helped develop after school curriculum for students. And then after that, I, I realized, you know, my passion really is in medicine. And that was kind of a transition moment for me because, um, during that program, I applied to medical school and I did not get in. And that is a more common story than I think is told. And so I really had to think to myself, you know, if, if I'm really, if this is really what I want to do, if I'm really passionate about it, do I give up or do I, you know, kind of reevaluate and continue to pursue it? And um, I did. I stayed dedicated to it and I actually got in the very next year. And I think that my biggest lesson from that was you can, you can motivate yourself if you really have decided that that's like your goal and your passion you can bring yourself to pursue that and be dedicated to that goal. So would you say that, I guess that is the way that you've approached setbacks in your career? Like when you hit those roadblocks, what is your mental process for dealing with them? Yeah, that's a, that's a important question, you know, um, because with medicine, there are going to be roadblocks. <laughs> I don't right. think that anyone has like a, a smooth path to being a doctor. It's uh, it's a lot of schooling and um, there's going to be roadblocks somewhere. And so I think that uh, that has been my approach that I kind of typically just focus or try to think about what that end goal is. And I let that motivate me because it's like a carrot. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel. And you realize that uh, this roadblock is temporary, and if if you can kind of get through that and get to the other side, then that's motivation enough. So, going off of your journey in med school, what was it like taking the next step into your residency? What was that process like? Yeah, so um, after after undergrad, it's four years of medical school, and each year is is very different. And towards the end of medical school, you really have to start thinking about residency. So, out of the three thousand graduating um, residents in the United States, only four hundred are dermatology residents. So, dermatology is an extremely competitive uh, specialty. And once I realized that I had an interest in it, I I'm the first to admit that I was like, oh, I need to find something else because that is that's so competitive. But um, I decided that, you know, kind of similarly to the setbacks I've had in the past, I decided that, you know, if that was truly my passion and truly my goal, then I I have to, you know, I I have to pursue it. And so um, after after. Uh, medical school residency uh applications actually start like right towards the end of your last or the the start of your last year of medical school and then you find out which residency program you have matched into in the spring and uh i i found out that i matched into dermatology so dermatology itself is about four years 
Um, so that's what are we counting? We're, we're on 12 years of schooling. Okay, wow. <laughs> after high school. <laughs> um, so how did you end up deciding that, I guess you wanted dermatology to be your area of practice? Like what about it spoke to you or continues to speak to you? Yeah, um, actually a, a lot. So my first exposure to dermatology was going to the dermatologist with my sister when we were growing up. Um, my sister has vitiligo, which is a skin condition where you lose uh, pigment in areas of your skin. And so some areas will appear like white. Uh, and it's a condition that affects any skin type, but I think it's more dramatic in uh, patients of color. And so it was kind of a uh, like a, it was a dramatic moment for her and for our family dealing with that. So we would all go to the, to the doctor with her. And, um, when I went into medical school, I, you know, I did a couple of rotations as well in dermatology and I just kind of fostered that interest. I actually did some research between my first and second year to just really kind of see if that was an area of medicine that I was truly interested in. And, and that kind of solidified it. So I think it was progressive, but I, um, I ultimately decided, you know, officially during medical school that that was something that I wanted to, to do. And then I will just say that, like, even now there's, there's situations there, you know, there's patients I encounter or there's conditions that I encounter that still, you know, surprise me and pique my interest. And so I think the field is just so broad that uh, I, you know, I, I feel like I made the right decision in terms of uh, specialty. So overall, would you say that you feel like there are opportunities for you to continue learning more about the field? And if so, how do you take advantage of that? Yeah, I definitely think um, more so than some other fields, there's a lot of opportunity to find new treatments and like new therapies uh, to treat skin conditions in dermatology because a lot of it has not um, really been as developed as some of the other specialties. So I do think there's a lot of continual learning that happens in, in this field. And that's part of what attracted me to dermatology as well. Um, so what then is the impact for you um, from your perspective of being a Black woman in medicine and then in dermatology more specifically? What, can, what keeps you coming back to your job or returning to your work? Like what keeps you passionate? Yeah, I mean, I think that the impact is is great. And I think that it's larger than I even initially realized because, um, and I know many minority physicians have a similar story, but I remember when I saw my first um, African-American patient in the hospital, just as a medical student. And, uh, and just like, there were no, there weren't words really that were exchanged initially. It was like a look. And I could tell from the look that um, that patient immediately like respected me, uh, trusted me, and that they were appreciative to see someone that looked like them and was like were, was like willing and in a position to care for them. And so I think that representation, um, which you know, representation just it just matters so much. It's it's such a great impact, and so it's not just about me and my clinical interests, I think just by virtue of me being a Black woman in medicine, in dermatology, that 
uh, is sending a message that, you know, to, to students and for probably to a lot of people that it's possible and, uh, and that if that's something that you're interested in, that you can do it. So would you say you view it as um, like coming from a point of service? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's, it's probably service. It's, uh, it's presence. It's, uh, you know, it, it's education, it's representation and all of those things keep me coming back. But I think that they're much more um, impactful than, uh, than we realize. Um, so we spoke about some of the hardships that you, or hardships, roadblocks, setbacks that you feel like you've experienced during your um, formal education. Um, do you feel like any of those mm-hmm. have carried over into your work life now? Or are there any setbacks that you feel like you faced? And if there are, um, how did you address it? So, I mean, I guess I had my like formal setbacks, <laughs> which was the, you know, the like the official setbacks um, of like not gaining admission initially, of like uh, trying to decide if I wanted to do this competitive residency or not. Um, and, but I think that there's like, there's also not really setbacks, but there's co- constant challenges that maybe affect Black women. Um, and minority physicians a little bit more than, um, than, you know, than other demographics, which is that we're constantly battling imposter syndrome, um, you know, microaggressions in the workplace. We're constantly, you know, dealing with a- asking ourselves whether we deserve to be there, like that self-doubt. So um, I don't think that, I mean, I think that I'm, that I'm still dealing with that. And I know my colleagues, they'll, they'll have been published in like 50 million magazines and they're still dealing with that. So I don't think that ever really goes away, but I think that you manage that a little bit better um, by like affirming yourself. And uh, I guess like in terms of work life, that's always like, I never really attach balance to that statement because <laughs> I think the work life, it's not, it, it's hard to have a, a balance. You, you just kind of like, uh, you have a plan, maybe that would be a better way. So I, I have two daughters um, and my husband is a, is a professional as well. So we have a busy, busy, busy house. And I think that we just have, over time developed a good plan, like a good approach. And when my work picks up and uh, his work maybe is not as busy, then he steps up at home and we just kind of like alternate. So that element of planning, do you think that that's something that's been important to you, I guess, throughout your career thus far? Would you say it's something that's become more relevant as you step into your role currently? Oh, it's been a part of my career uh, very early on. I probably am like, I overplan. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I think that being organized, having uh, perspective and vision and your goals laid out and even like what you want to accomplish just that week, that has gotten me to where I am today because uh, I, you know, like there's lists on lists on lists. And if you don't manage that, then you're, you know, you're swimming in to-dos. So, <laughs> so I think planning is, is important. And then going back to what you had mentioned about 
the feelings of imposter syndrome that you feel and you feel like your colleagues feel. How do you go about advocating mm-hmm. for yourself or I guess justifying your accomplishments when you're in those situations? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because like I said, I still struggle with it as well. But I think that I I just like to, um, it's kind of about shifting the way that you're thinking. And when you're um, deep in imposter syndrome, your thoughts are really negative. And I just try and like pay attention to uh, how I'm like speaking about myself. I guess, and making sure that I'm maintaining a positive tone to it. And um, just realizing that, okay, there's, there's obviously people who um, like believe in me and the work that I'm doing. And uh, like, I wouldn't be where I am without those people. And, you know, so surrounding yourself with positive people as well. I think like positive self-talk and positive affirmations are super important in terms of our day-to-day success. Um, But I also think that the work that you're doing, especially as it pertains to people of color, is very interesting, especially I feel like now, um, now that we have this like social media um, platform, we have a lot more ability to discuss certain topics. I feel like for Black women, hair, skin, and nails are all like outwardly visible attributes and they can define our experience in the way that we navigate the world. And I think that hair loss and hyperpigmentation are issues that are pretty prevalent, but um, sometimes aren't discussed or are now, um, I guess, gaining a platform to be discussed. Um, They're things that we deal with as a demographic. So um, I was just wondering if you could speak to how you use your platform and your experience as a medical professional to kind of shift the narrative surrounding those topics that have been more taboo and kind of demystify any confusions or points of contention around those topics? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's also something I didn't realize what, you know, that when I first started my platform, I didn't uh, necessarily have the intention or vision to create this uh, area or space where we would be speaking about these topics um like on a grander scale but I love that that happened because I'm I mean I'm deeply passionate about education and my first I guess approach to those topics was just uh getting accurate information out there because there's just a lot of noise a lot of like inaccuracies like like people of color should not be wearing sunscreen. I was like horrified. (laughs) I know I was horrified when I saw this and I was like, okay, so my first goal was, was education. And so just putting out positive, um, like accurate information. And then I love that we've been able to just like talk about topics that a lot of people don't know about. And I first saw like, for example, with hair loss um, and the most common form of scarring, hair loss or scarring alopecia that affects African-American women is uh, something called uh, CCCA or central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia. And I, I remember in my office telling someone about this and just like, the 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 la- you know no one no one has heard of it and i'm like no 
So, and the incidence is rising and it's affecting more and more people. So I think that um, in addition to education, I, I think that just getting those terms out, getting those phrases and um, diagnoses out so that people have like can say that they've heard of it is also huge. So from a social media specific standpoint, um, what was the growth process like for you? Like, how did you kind of define who your target audience was going to be? And then what was your process for like developing uh, content that would keep them engaged and keep them interested in being educated by you on your platform? Yeah. Um, so I'm not like, I'm not a social media sa- like super savvy person, even though every, you know, my friends will say, no, you are, you are. But I don't know. I just, I just really um, try to put out pat like posts on topics that I'm passionate about. And I think that the people who um, have followed me or have uh, been with me on this journey, they just, were passionate about that as well, or they found me because they were passionate about those topics. And, um, and we ended up here, but I, I just like, I think it's important. So my platform, I do a couple of different things. I educate, um, I bring awareness to skin conditions that aren't skin and hair conditions that aren't talked about, but also I thought that an important piece was to share a little bit about me and because I don't want it to be um, a platform where it's like, oh, that's like Dr. Robinson, like but buttoned up and, you know, like just unapproachable. No, I want to be, I want you to see what a doctor really does day to day and what their life looks like and that they're real people and uh, they do, you know, things outside of the office as well. And so um, I I did that also for students because lots of medical students and um, high school students are wondering what what is like the life of a doctor like. And when I was considering medical school and applying, I never even I never saw that. You know, social media has just introduced us to a whole new like arena because I never saw that side of like a doctor and. I think that's important. So through all of this, like what is the significance of advocacy and raising awareness um, to this work that you're doing outside of your professional life? Yeah, I mean, I think that the significance is multifold, right? That number one, we're going to be able to um, get more patients in to see a dermatologist. That's great because a lot of patients of color, actually, what I'm finding is that they think that um, dermatology is a luxury or that they don't maybe necessarily, they'll, they'll maybe uh, go to their um, stylist, which is fine, um, or their esthetician for skin, skin and hair conditions that could be helped with medical therapy. And so um, I think that the significance is one, with the awareness, just having patients realize that they can go and see a dermatologist for these issues. Then we get them into the dermatologist. We can diagnose a lot of these conditions earlier. Um, the scarring forms of hair loss, once that hair follicle is scarred, it's very difficult to regrow the hair. And so that can be devastating if it's further along. And we want to try and catch that early. Um, skin cancers in, in uh, patients of color 
are deadlier if we uh, if we diagnose them at a late stage. So we really should be diagnosing that earlier and seeing we get patients in earlier. But then also I think that getting patients in, diagnosing them earlier, once we do all of that, we can help um, actually like define new ways to treat patients of color because um, we don't, you know, if we don't have the patients, we can't really you know, approach treatment any differently, or we can't recognize if there's differences in how they re- respond to treatment. So I think we're only starting to see like the ramifications of this. And um, this is an effort that is uh, shared by a lot of different physicians, a lot of different specialties. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Right. That is, I feel like that's definitely very important um because I, I do think there's a lot of misconception and a lack of clarity around um, like dermatological right. care right um in general so um I, I guess outside of just the social media I feel like you've been able to I guess create opportunities for yourself with other brands such as Walmart and Essence so um what inspired you I guess to continue extending your reach outside of social media and then what attributes or character strengths do you think that you possess that allowed you to even get to that point of being able to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing is uh, I want, it was important for me to have patients and just like people see a doctor in the community and like a specialist, you know, like uh, that, you know, has very specialized interests in certain conditions out in the community, speaking about those conditions and like really connecting with people. That's always been like, even from my early, uh, after undergrad and working in city year, I've always been passionate about community outreach. So I think that, um, like working with, uh, you know, at the Essence Fest and working with Walmart has actually helped me to continue that goal. And I think it's super important that people uh, not just hear about skin and hair conditions when they're in the doctor's office, but maybe like from a, from a professional outside Um, and definitely, you know, social media, but also in the community. Um, And I think that part of, part of my strengths, I would say that allowed me to do that was that um, I'm very like, uh, I'm, I'm not a traditional thinker. So if I see a problem, I kind of like try to think about different ways that we can address and resolve that problem. And my answers are not like traditional answers. I try to like, you know, go against the grain, not completely against the grain, but just thinking like outside of the box about how we can solve that problem better, how we can do it better. And then also I would say that like, I'm real. So I'm, I'm pretty blunt. And if there, you know, if there's something that uh, I think could be done better, or if there's something that I think needs to be said, I'm like very vocal about saying it. Um, And so I think probably some combination of that has, has helped. hopefully. (laughs) And do you think those attributes also carry into your professional life and your patient care in terms of like thinking outside of the box and just being very clear about your, your thoughts and opinions? Um, absolutely. You know, um, if, 
if the uh, treatments that we're doing are not working, I'm always working with patients to find like some creative solution. Or if a medication's too expensive, like can we, you know, do a different medicine combined with another one? And you know, we're always trying to find a creative solution in the office. I would say. And then I am, you know, pretty. I'm a I'm a realist and. Um, in my communication as well. So I think, and I think patients appreciate yeah. that. I'm, um, you know, very upfront and, and honest and like, kind of like what, what you see is what you get. And I think that, uh, like, especially today, I think patients are like, okay, I just want to yeah. know. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, I think those attributes carry into the, to the office as well. So overall throughout your journey thus far, do you feel like there were any specific resources or organizations that you found critical to your journey or I guess were just helpful in terms of support? Yeah, and I think it's so important. Um I would I would say that maybe this like actually uh the answer I gave previously about my attributes kind of helped here right. too because I think that you have to really use a combination of different resources and get creative and talk to people. And so I think first and foremost, like from an early stage, maybe from the high school stage or college stage, just talking to mentors, sponsors, advocates, just learning more, uh, you know, maybe internet searches, researching the field, and really kind of understanding the process is the first step. And then in medical school, there's an organization called SNMA that um, I recommend that you know minority uh, students join because that organization will help with like um, test prep and uh, outreach and um, just kind of like camaraderie. And also, the, so that's one of the resources I use. But then also the um, the American um, the medical uh, the AMC releases a report called the charting the outcomes mm -hmm. in the match. And it's like a report that shows all the numbers um, that of students who've matched into specific specialties. And you can look that up depending on what residency you apply to. That's a great, great resource that everyone should look at. Um, and then specifically for uh, maybe for African-American or minority medical students who are interested in dermatology, um, the skin of Color Society uh, um, is an organization that I'm a member of that uh, helps just kind of educate on issues that affect skin of color, but it's also a great networking space for um, medical students to kind of learn more about the specialty. These are all super important, so I hope everyone who's listening is taking notes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope they I hope everyone got that. <laughs> so if you could impart any wisdom to young women of color who are looking to enter the world of medicine or even dermatology more specifically, what would it be? Yeah, so I mean, I think that um the two things that have been like the overarching theme um in medicine uh for me and that I would say uh you know would be like the two attributes that are really gonna be salient is uh, determination. Um, and so because there are going to be roadblocks and you really, uh, you really just have to anticipate them and um, try to keep it, keep the end goal in mind. And so coupled with determination is perseverance. And so I know you can do it. And I, I would just say that my parting words to young women of color are to just 
stay focused, stay determined. You will persevere. Um, get, you know, talk to people, get, get some mentors, um, educate yourself about what's going on in the field and the process and plan. And, and this is definitely something that's doable. Um, and, and that's it. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Caroline. Um, if anyone is listening um, and I would like to reach you for further information or just to learn more about you and your work, what would be the best way? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is C Robinson MD. That, uh, that's kind of a place where, like we mentioned, uh, I share educational information and a little bit about myself and my life. You can also uh, go to www.crobinsonmd.com and there's information about how to contact me or how to see me um, as a patient or um, any, any information that, that links to articles. I am also on Twitter and Facebook, but admittedly not very, not super active there. <laughs> so, but you can find me there too. Thank you so much for tuning into episode two of Chroma Radio. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe, leave a rating, or a comment. You can also find us on Instagram at Chroma Network or online at thechromanetwork.com. See you next time.